0: Space is a very expensive industry to engage in, but much like other forms of transportation, just simply flying, that was something that was originally reserved for the elite, for the very wealthy, and now it's something that's fairly affordable for most people. And I think we're going to see the same thing happen in terms of the cost of, of what it takes to engage in human spaceflight. The billionaire space race narrative, I think it's definitely one of the biggest dangers to the industry. It's making people feel like space isn't a worthwhile investment when in fact space innovations and insights benefit countless aspects of our daily lives.
1: Before any world-changing innovation, there was a moment, an event, a realization that sparked the idea. Before It Happened is a show about that idea. I'm Donna Laughlin, and each week I'll take you on a deep dive into a singular lightbulb moment that inspired the visionaries to push forward and change our lives. On this podcast, you are hear from innovators from an array of industries and philosophies who imagined and are still imagining the future. Grab your passport and let's go on a journey together. One of the first guests I had on before it happened was an educator named Pam Greyer, better known to her students as the NASA lady. She's dedicated more than three decades to making STEM education accessible to young students of color, particularly girls. And she's done it largely by teaching her students about space. My guest today is someone who is young enough to have been one of Pam's students, but who is also building on that same vision. Kim Basharia is the Executive Director of the Space Prize Foundation and Chairman of the Board of the Space Frontier Foundation, two organizations that aim to give women and people from diverse backgrounds more opportunities to explore careers in the space industry. Kim is not a scientist. She'll be the first to tell you that. She's not an astronaut either though she can't wait to go to space. What Kim is, is a tireless advocate for young women and girls, particularly from communities of color, who want to enter STEM careers and eventually work in the space industry, or maybe even travel to space themselves. And she's also a thriving example of the notion that leading with passion can make a difference. Kim was born in Boston and raised in Atlanta the daughter of Kenyan immigrants. Her mother was a nurse and her father worked as a software engineer. She says she learned compassion and generosity from her mother. From her father, she picked up enough technical know-how to serve her well later in life. As a kid, she was more interested in musical theater and the arts than anything related to science. When she attended Rhodes College in Memphis, Tennessee, she studied art and philosophy. Her interest in space camp came from the least likely of sources a screenplay that she wrote as part of a fellowship during her senior year. She knew little about space travel or space itself, but she found a space camp jacket at a thrift store, and that triggered an idea that she poured into her script. And that project became a truly
0: life-changing experience. During my research, I came to find out just how difficult it really was for women, minorities, and especially people from non-spacefaring nations, how difficult it was for all of those folks to get engaged in the world of space and how many systemic barriers existed that prevented them from participating in this beautiful industry. So I wrote my senior thesis as a philosophy student in college about democratizing space and then I went to go volunteer to Space Conference that summer after I graduated. And I got my first job after I met someone while I was holding a door open. He created an internship position for me. And I moved to New York, and I've been doing fun, spacey things ever since.
1: So it's just a happy accident. You're in a store and you
0: get this jacket. What does the jacket actually say? It's a blue Space Camp jacket. It just has a little patch for Space Camp, a few other NASA patches around it. I loved it. I've actually had it for a while before I had written that script, but... I usually, for my writing, I take inspiration from just things in my everyday life. So you're entering space through a
1: creativity outlet is actually really interesting. I'm just curious, this is before or after Hidden Figures was a hit? After. Well, that's kind of a nice kismet timing. So let's talk about the screenplay. You're inspired by this jacket, but tell us a little more about the characters, character development. How did you actually get the knowledge that you needed to write this screenplay?
0: Well, I started doing research on previous efforts that had, had taken place in regards to contests that had been run to send people to space, because at that point in time, there really hadn't been a successful project to send a private astronaut to space in a competition. NBC had tried some stuff. There were a few other efforts, but they all ended up simply not being able to raise the money. So I took inspiration from those contests for the challenges that I had in the in the competition. But the two main characters, they're both immigrants. They both have immigrant backgrounds. So one of them is a first-generation citizen in the U.S. And I kind of base that in part around myself. My family's Kenyan, and so this character is Kenyan but born in the U.S. And she has never really done anything that, that she's felt is really noteworthy or spectacular. She's always lived life and played things in a really safe way. And in contrast, the other main character... She's a Syrian refugee. She viewed this opportunity to participate in this contest as a way of escaping out of the pain and and struggle that her family had endured. And so one of the main songs, one of the, the top songs in the film, it's called Like a Comet. And both the girls are trying to justify why they deserve the name Comet, which would be their code name that would be featured on the leaderboard in the contest. So they both wanted the nickname Comet. and so. In that song, I really love the way the the lyrics go in the chorus because they're both really trying to break out of their shell and do something new and ambitious and redefine who they are as people for different reasons. So the lyrics of the the song for the chorus, it's like, I'm like a comet soaring through new horizons, like a comet blazing across the night. The heat inside me is growing. It's burning. You can't say I haven't earned the glow I'm building. I'm really living now. And so they're both just going through these powerful moments of transition, which is why I had such a fun time getting to write this script, because I felt like as a college student, I too was going through a big moment of transition in my life, getting ready for my senior year. So
1: you submit this as part of a contest, but is, was part of the contest process to actually produce this and go live?
0: Oh, So it wasn't part of a contest. I was awarded a fellowship. So I just, I just had the freedom to write scripts every semester and I would get funding to write those scripts. And I get to travel and go to comedy. So my school paid for me to go to comedy shows and all these different things. So it was more so the fellowship was just to be given the opportunity to really dedicate that time and energy to producing this art.
1: Where did you go from the success of that?
0: Yeah, so I wrote that it was that was the summer before my senior year of college. So I kind of just put that script on the back burner and and decided to focus on finding ways in which I could actually engage in the world of space, which felt a bit intimidating seeing as how I knew just about no one in the industry and didn't really study anything that was directly related to space science. So it was a bit of a, a journey figuring out what kind of path I could carve for myself in this field.
1: What kind of access and people did you start connecting with, like at NASA or other foundations? What was that discovery process like?
0: During my senior year of college, I convinced my school to give me a grant to go to South by Southwest. And the intention of that grant was for me to go specifically see all the different space talks and keynotes that were being delivered. So my introduction to Getting to understand what the layout of the space ecosystem was like was really through that event. I met a few startup founders, a few folks from NASA, a really solid variety of people, and I simply began telling people my story and what I hoped to accomplish in the industry. But things didn't really manifest from that experience per se in regards to career opportunities. I let myself have the summer after I graduated to really see if I can get a job in the industry. I had enough connections in entertainment. Where so I, I knew that regardless of if things went wrong with space, if there didn't end up being a, a place for me to go, I could always fall back on that. But I was really determined to just see what would happen if I dedicated a summer to trying to find a job. And so volunteering at the New Space Conference ended up being a game changing experience for me. I got my first job there and then I started volunteering for the Space Frontier Foundation because of that, because the New Space Conference is an event that's held by the Space Frontier Foundation annually.
1: So let's talk about the Space Frontier Foundation. What is the charter?
0: Our mission is to enable human settlement in space. At least that was the original intention of the three founders back in 1988 when they created the Space Frontier Foundation. And to do that, they really decided to focus on spotlighting and creating programming to support the notion that the commercial space sector is a worthwhile investment, So they did a ton of public advocacy work throughout the 90s, doing all kinds of op-eds, think pieces. And then in the early 2000s, we launched our New Space Conference, where we really served as the original gathering spot for the entire New Space community. Many of the Leaders of the field now in the commercial space world, they credit us with this because there really was no place for folks to share and connect over these bold, audacious ideas. The fact that we can now visually see reusable rockets being used to transport astronauts to the ISS—that was an entirely wild concept 20 plus years ago, and now it's gone mainstream, and that's in large part due to a lot of the conversations and initiatives that the space frontier foundation helped to launch and ignite
1: so you went from creative side to volunteering at the space frontier foundation to the role that you're in now how quickly did this acceleration happen for you we're talking a five-year period i mean how quickly is this i mean you're like literally immersed in it now
0: yeah i guess about four years ago i graduated in 2018 and it's moved so fast because I happen to connect with people who really have helped to champion my success. I mean, for the position I have right now, I am the chair of the board at the Space Frontier Foundation. And that opportunity arose after a conversation I had with one of the founders, Rick Tumlinson. He's known as the godfather of the space revolution. He is greatly respected and revered in the industry, and he could sense that it was time for the foundation to get some new new blood, some younger blood and leadership positions there. Because back when he had founded the organization, was actually founded in New York where I'm based, and he was in his early 20s and he did not have this STEM background. I think he saw a lot of things. We have a lot of things in alignment with one another. So he helped to advocate on my behalf for me to have this position and It was a daunting thing to take on, but thankfully, I've had the support of our entire advocate community and just all friends and family of the Space Frontier Foundation. It's been a really challenging but fantastic journey so far.
1: Let's talk about some of the stats. I just really want to dig into why the Space Frontier Foundation matters. There are some stats that were interesting. The 600 people who have traveled to space, only 12% were women. Can you speak to that? Why There are so few women that, even with the early pioneers, that have still given the opportunity to go to space. And what is the opportunity that you see for women in space, and not necessarily going to space, but in all aspects like yourself, related to space?
0: Oh, great question. I think there are countless opportunities emerging for women in the space industry. And it's a really opportune time for women of all ages from all backgrounds to engage in the field. Right now, there's actually a talent gap in the space industry. Most people don't realize that. And it's unfortunate because there's so many folks who can and should be working in the field, but because of the lack of representation, they feel like there's no place for them or that they wouldn't be comfortable or thrive in this industry. And what we're doing at the Space Frontier Foundation is trying to shift that narrative. We just released our Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Toolkit, which is a set of resources we created to better help uh, startups recruit and retain diverse talent. And it's been so well received in the industry because everyone is actively trying to solve this problem. We realize that we've been keeping women and other underrepresented groups out of this field for too long. And we're stifling innovation because of it. Space is one of the hardest, technically hard industries to work in. And the fact that the demographics look the way they do with only about 20 percent of the workforce being women, we are limiting our potential. I don't think the industry will ever reach its full potential until we intentionally work to correct these past wrongs and bring more women on board in all positions.
1: Hey there, it's Donna. It's Donna. Remember Pank at the NASA lady I mentioned at the beginning of this episode? I want to invite you to go listen to a similar conversation I had with her about teaching young kids in Chicago about STEM and STEAM and NASA. To start getting more black and brown young people, learning about you know aviation and aeronautics and becoming a rocket scientist. They'll never do that. If they don't have the access points and the opportunities to be able to learn about it, I go into classrooms with no lab equipment, no lab tables, nothing but a textbook. And I'm like, these kids are getting so cheated. I learned something, actually a lot of somethings, every time I talk to a new guest. They're pioneers. They're thought leaders in their fields. They all have inspiring stories to tell And I share them with you every week. So if you're enjoying these episodes, please hit subscribe and join me for more stories about the moments before it happened. So let's take that to the next level of what you're doing. Are you going into schools? Are you going into colleges, college campuses, K-12, through as well as professional sector of getting women to maybe rethink their careers?
0: We are creating some programs that are meant to engage these underrepresented groups. So we just did a grant program that we launched. It was called Lift Her Voice. And we gave away three $5,000 grants to female-led podcasts in the space industry. On top of that, like I mentioned before, we have our DI toolkit. Um, we're also launching a youth apprenticeship program that'll be open to students ages 16 to 21. And on top of that, we're actually creating programming for an upcoming conference. It's called ISDC, the International Space Development Conference. And we're creating a programming all centered around inspiring the next generation. We're running a pitch competition for undergrad students. And we're also bringing a number of partner organizations that are doing phenomenal work to make it easier for young people who don't have access to the resources needed to properly prepare yourselves to work in the industry. They're changing that actively and providing those resources of all kinds.
1: Who are some of those partners?
0: Eden Grow Systems, Space Scouts. We're even bringing in, for my day job, I'm the executive director of a nonprofit called Space Prize. And so we're bringing in that organization as well. And as well as another organization called SEDS. They do fantastic work in engaging high school and university students in the world of space. They're phenomenal. So let's talk about Space Prize. So you have two hats, (laughs) a.m. p.m.
1: Yep, (laughs) said My best hires were those that are working the swing shift at 7-Eleven and were former scouts, so you fit right into that camp. So tell us more about this group, Space Prize.
0: Yeah, Space Prize. Space Prize It's a really fun new nonprofit, a lot younger than the Space Frontier Foundation. We launched just in November, and we're dedicated to empowering young women to get into the space industry. So we're launching a global contest this summer where two young, deserving women will get the chance to go to the edge of space via Space Perspective, which is like a capsule that sends you to space. You get to go there for six hours and have a beautiful view of the Earth from above. That flight will be available in 2024, but we are launching this multi-year contest to award these amazing grand prizes. The winners also get a subsidy to launch a STEM initiative in their community. They get astronaut training experiences with Orbit. And on top of that, there'll be 30 finalists who will all go on a 0 G flight together, and all 30 of those finalists will get a year of mentorship from a leading figure in the aerospace industry.
1: Amazing.
0: Are you going to be part of the group too? Are you going to go up? In my dreams.
1: <laughs> You've got to make a case in for my dreams Kim going one of in space. Days.
0: <laughs> I would love to be an astronaut. Who knows? It's It'll get cheap, a lot cheaper in the next 20 years, so maybe possible.
1: So as we get at 20, I read that there's only 20% of senior roles within space are held by women.
0: Yes. Yes, that's true. And that's, again, something that we're actively trying to shift. And I think a big part, like I mentioned before, a big part of it is this representation issue. Like Even when I go to conferences still today, it's so often that I only see a handful of women selected as speakers for the program there's just not enough spotlight being put on the women who have been doing this kind of work in the industry, have been propelling the industry forward. And so young girls don't have people that they can fully look up to in that sense.
1: Well, in general, in tech, right, the numbers are low for women. I mean, the doors are swinging open and and there's people, you know, like you and even myself, I champion constantly STEM and education. But there's also just the inclusion factor, right? And equity and inclusion have become a part of people and culture and careers. And I think that now that voices are being raised and conversations are, are being had that, you know, have to keep championing this, right? But we have so much to do. The other stat I read, you know, was with NASA, which is, you know, really the the holy grail of the cataloging of space, I guess. one third of the employees are women. Where would you like to see this number be, say, in 20 years from now? And you're standing in the classroom and you're talking to to K through 12 and you want to inspire them with the space prize. Like, what is the number that you would like to say? You know, we went from X to X
0: reasonably i think we could see a 15% jump in engagement and i think it's because of there've been so many programs not in addition to space prize grants fellowship all of that that have been launched recently and i think if you actually look at the number of women who are studying the fields or the subjects necessary to get more technical jobs in the space industry there are a ton of women present in those classroom settings I think it's just more about how can we help connect the dots for women to see that this field is worth fully immersing themselves in professionally. And that's what the Space Frontier Foundation, again, is actively trying to do. We are trying to create a safe space for women to exist and connect with one another so they can support each other's journeys. I mean, that's been invaluable to me is is are the connections I made through the Space Frontier Foundation. I found it to be one of the most welcoming and organically inclusive space organizations out there. Our founders created a really unique environment It's allowed people to be able to envision themselves engaging in the world of space. Even people like myself who had uh, little to no knowledge about what the industry fully looked like when I first joined, I got a crash course in everything space. And no one discounted me for the questions I asked or for for the new perspective I brought. They were so happy and welcoming. And that's had a profound impact on my career, truly.
1: Do you, since you've been involved with both projects, are there any specific success stories that have come out of? your involvement of girls going on and getting a scholarship or, or taking, you know, the next level up in their career, going from intern to professional. I mean, have you witnessed anything of growth yet?
0: Mm -hmm. And with the space frontier foundation constantly, I'm constantly seeing women and folks from other underrepresented communities being offered jobs, speaking engagements, Because of the connections that they've made through our network, that feels like something I constantly get to see, and it's really been quite beautiful. We also are pretty intentional about allowing folks who have the right level of passion and talent, and we give them opportunities that they may not be able to find elsewhere when it comes to leading projects that are quite expansive. I have a mentee from the Patty Grace Smith Fellowship Program, and she is phenomenal. And I have her, I gave her a chance to run a pitch competition we're doing at ISCC. I mentioned before, our college pitch competition. And she has just been knocking it out of the park. And having that role has given her a chance to directly engage with people who could be her for future employers. And watching her interact and expand her network because of that position has been phenomenal for me to see. And I have no doubt that the connections and relationships she's building right now are going to pay off tenfold down the road for her. And then with Space Prize, we actually had the opportunity through a partnership with the Female Quotient. and For our local New York City contest that we just ran, we had all 24 of our finalists featured on a billboard in Times Square for a week. And watching them go down there with their family their grandparents and take pictures and send that back to me and my team was just phenomenal. And on top of that, actually, the same day that the Times Square billboard went live, I had taken all of our girls on a field trip to the New York City Challenger. And hearing them discuss the ways in which this contest has encouraged them to dream bigger and aim higher, that's been so rewarding for me. Because the intention here is not just to try and create future astronauts or future engineers with this. We really want to transform the way these girls think about what's possible for their lives and for their future.
1: Well, I always say there's no mission impossible. So, I mean, it sounds like that's exactly what's in your charter. 100% girls? Yes.
0: Yeah, so the space prize contests, New York City contest and our global contest are just open to young women. The contest was run at five different high schools in the city. So we're giving away one zero-g flight to a girl in every borough. So that's how the contest was run. And how
1: many of these girls are girls of color?
0: About half almost, actually. I would say maybe, maybe 40%.
1: That's amazing. So let's talk about equity and inclusion. There have only been 18 Black astronauts in the history of NASA. And even if you're Hispanic, and a lot of men, as we know, as a woman of color, And I'm so impressed you had 40% of the Space Prize girls be girls of color. How does that make you feel and empower you? And, and what else needs to be done?
0: That makes me feel like I'm doing my job. The intention, the jump from the second I entered this industry was to find unique ways by which to diversify and democratize the field. And for me getting to see all of my girls on that billboard in Times Square and see that diversity truly reflected on such a large platform that really it was a great motivator to help stay on this path and really know that this kind of work is valuable and it is meaningful and lives are being changed because of it that's been that's been the best part of it for me so far but it's really just the beginning when we launch our global contest this summer I really believe that the ways in which not just the girls we touch, but the families, the communities that that they're all a part of, I think we're going to see some major ripple effects happen because of this. And that's really exciting for me to figure out, to think about what that's going to look like. And you
1: say global, how many countries will participate?
0: It's open to just any girl anywhere in the world. We're actively partnering with space agencies, companies, educational institutions all across the globe. We're trying to hit as many as we can.
1: Now that you're involved with kids, does it take you back to your childhood and the things with your father being more technical? Did you look back at and find some similarities there?
0: What I have found to be really interesting throughout my my journey in space is that I didn't realize that I had kind of discounted the possibility of me doing anything technical i did by default i've had to learn so many technical things there was a big learning curve to say the least and thankfully i had some pretty amazing rocket scientists i worked alongside who could help me really understand things but now i think about if i was a kid and i was trying to go down my career path again or doing things all over i would not be as nervous about pursuing something technical I feel like it's not beyond me in the way that I did when it, when I was younger, and that's something I really want to communicate to people is that they don't have to be scared of STEM. I think sometimes people think about the space industry especially, and they think it's elite, elusive, it's for like only the most brilliant of humans. And this is an industry that's growing, and you can come in here and learn. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to, to be be challenged. This is a challenging field to work in. But if you're determined enough, you can make a place for yourself here.
1: So do you think the billionaires that have recently gone to space are good for the rest of us in terms of amplifying the race for space? Or do you think that it hinders the conversation?
0: I think it's a natural part of how These kinds of things go. Space is a very expensive industry to engage in. But much like uh, other forms of transportation, just simply flying, that was something that was originally reserved for the elite, for the very wealthy. And now it's something that's fairly affordable for most people. And I think we're going to see the same thing happen in terms of the cost of of what it takes to engage in human space flight. Those numbers are going to come down quicker than we expect. And so I think once people see And understand that it's really just part of the process. Hopefully that will get them more on board with the space industry as a whole. Because the billionaire space race narrative, I think it's definitely one of the biggest dangers to the industry. It's making people feel like space isn't a worthwhile investment when in fact space innovations and insights benefit countless aspects of our daily lives. And people don't think about that because they're so caught up in the hype that the media is driving right now.
1: Well, I personally was, I wanted to, to, I thought Richard Branson should have called me. <laughs> <because I> felt, <laughs> Maybe you'll for my next one. <laughs> like, I didn't get that phone call, but I personally, I want to go to space because I want to feel the freedom and just really have that kind of that uber zen moment that the same moment that I feel like when I fly. But knowing that there literally is this continuous last eyes universe. I don't know. I just want that sense of freedom and what that feels like. The overview effect. Yeah, and we go back to the you know Mission Impossible, right? Is there an image that you visualize if you were in space and you could experience with maybe some of the girls that you work with? I mean, what would that image be like? What do you visualize?
0: One of my favorites folks in this year right now, her name is Dr. Cyan Proctor. She is the fourth Black woman to go to space and the first Black woman to ever pilot a spacecraft. She won her trip to space via a contest that was run on Twitter. She got to go up to space as part of the Inspiration4 mission last year. And during her experience on her three-day journey in space, she referenced this Feeling of this thing called earthlight. I think you know you think about this term moonlight. We, there's a lot of songs that reference the sensation of, feel, of feeling the moonlight on your face. And Cyan was sitting there looking down on our planet, and she said she could feel as if her face was being bathed in earthlight, and she described it as this really powerful, peaceful sensation. And that's something that I would absolutely love to experience the light of our planet being shown back on you. I think that's really powerful. Yeah. Well, you know,
1: what's interesting is that, you know, not only building a sisterhood for space, but we all are relatively like energy and bright stars, right? And so it's really luminous what you just described. I literally get this calmness, you know, when you describe that and it's like, oh, I want to be part of that. I want to see that. What can the rest of us do that are not part of the program that you know we're not K through twelve and and we have professions how can we support the space prize and the space frontier in terms of you know volunteership or donations or what do you need more helping hands
0: absolutely there are countless volunteer opportunities for both organizations for instance with the space Frontier Foundation we are launching our conference again after a three-year hiatus because of the pandemic. We are bringing that back in Seattle this year, and we always love bringing on volunteers to help them truly get connected to the industry in a really unique, direct way. On top of that, we have initiatives like a clean energy consortium that we're launching where we have students around the globe at different universities studying aspects of space-based solar power, which is a really cool thing. If you don't know what it is, it's Basically, you can put a solar panel in space, and if you have that same solar panel in space versus on Earth, the one in space would generate 40 times more power than one on Earth because of that constant access to the sun. And so we are trying to get folks involved in really bold, audacious projects that they otherwise could not be a part of. And so we're doing that. We have our diversity, equity, and inclusion subcommittee where we're launching a variety of initiatives to get more and more people from different backgrounds engaged in the world of space. And so we're always launching something new, fun and exciting centered around sustainability or workforce development at the Space Frontier Foundation. And then for Space Prize, we are looking for mentors and judges for our contest. And we're also looking for support in regards to collaborating, we really want to ensure that as many young women as possible know that this contest is happening so that they can give themselves a chance to dream higher and aim bigger. And on top of that, we are launching our education, a 12-week education curriculum that will be freely available to teachers around the globe. And so we want to share that with as many teachers as possible so that they can get their respective classrooms excited and engaged in the world of space.
1: The last question I have for you is related to, I know you're not you're going to space right away, but if you were going to go, who would you want to be on your companion space journey?
0: Oh, that's a great question. I would take my sister. She is so kind, supportive, brave. I feel like everything you'd want in a person that you're going to space with and experiencing something so powerful and transformative. So she is... Truly up at the top of my list.
1: What is she studying? Or in
0: school or? She just graduated with a degree in psychology.
1: Is she going to be part of the foundation as well?
0: I'm working on that. <laughs> Slowly convincing her to join the world of space. Have there been two sisters that have gone to space? I don't think so. No,
1: that would be really cool. Would you be the first?
0: Yeah, I think I believe we would be. There have been two married couples, but no, no sisters.
1: It truly would be a sisterhood. I like that. Yeah, good idea. <laughs> that was Kimisharia. She told me that the next phase of her never ending quest to expand the space sisterhood could very well be a startup of her own. And she's certainly perfectly and uniquely positioned to do that. But there's another goal she has for her future. Remember that screenplay that got her interested in space in the first place? Kim is by no means closing that chapter of her life. She says there has never been a more relevant time to share that story. And she plans to, as she puts it, bring it to life very soon. So stay tuned. Thank you for listening. Follow Before It Happen on Instagram and Twitter, and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Before It Happened is produced by me, Donna Laughlin, along with Studio Pod Media. The executive producer is Katie Sunku Wood, and all episodes are written and developed by Jack Buer with additional editing and music provided by Nota Lab.